VGRT Gaming Podcast, episode 707, recorded on December 21st, 707th edition of the TD Gaming Podcast and 540th episode of Video Game Roundtable. I am TJ Denzer. I am Scott Dirk. I am Jonah Falcon. The VGRT Gaming Podcast focuses on game news from around the industry. Uh, welcome to the last episode of 2023. Um, next time you hear from us is 2024. We're not going to talk about much uh, because there's really not that much news. <laughs> so anyways, uh, I guess we can talk about Bobby Kotick finally leaving Activision. Uh, I think he is leaving on December 23rd or tw- something like It's not at the New Year. It's it's somewhere December just before tw- New Year. December 29th. Right. So he'll be going. He'll be getting his uh, little uh, his little golden parachute, and then no one will speak of him ever again. Yeah, he, did you see the letter he wrote? I don't believe a single word of what he wrote. Who? Uh, Bobby Kotick? Or, yeah, or Bobby Kotick. He gave a, like a parting letter or whatever, talking about uh, his childhood games being Atari and Mystery House and whatever, and uh, I don't think I believe any of it. Oh, well, <laughs> Phil Spencer had to praise him as he left as well. It was required, you know. Um, I'm pretty sure that he, if he was more honest, he would have uh, said other things. I, uh, I truly, truly wish that... Uh, if I ever hear of Bobby Kotick again, it's because he's being sued for how much money he's cost everybody and being such a shit boss. Yeah. Because that's so, the only thing I can think of that would actually, like, happen <laughs> as far as, like, once he's out, once he's done, just, like, getting sued for just how many millions he's cost companies, Microsoft and Activision Blizzard in lawsuits. You know, he um actually, uh, he, he bought... He bought uh, Activision like 30 years ago, back in 1991, and uh, Activision was struggling big time. So uh, he was able say what you want about him. He was able to turn a, a company that was going out into a company that was sold for almost 70 billion dollars. Yeah, but a large portion of that sale happening is because uh, Activision Blizzard was in such a weak state when uh, Microsoft decided to pull the p- trigger on a deal. Yeah. Um, one of these stories that was about Bobby Kotick is that his first business deal was selling his mom's ashtray to a friend for three dollars in 62. Um, we're, that's kind of with a grain of salt because he would have been a toddler at the time. But still, um, that's not that's not something to brag about. Oh, yeah. My first deal. Yeah. I stole my mother's ashtray and sold it for three dollars. <laughs> that uh. That sounds like a Bobby Kotick story. Hmm. Yeah. So he's gone, and it'll be interesting to see uh, what uh, what becomes of the company. I mean, the, the thing that Bobby Kotick is more famous for, I'm trying to remember the quote. He said he wanted to create an atmosphere of fear, something like that. Fear, judgment. Damn it, I forgot it. But he just made the entire place extremely toxic to work at. Yeah. Uh, the the story that will always stand out to me about like all the stuff that was happening and like Bobby Kotick being like, I really tried to do something about it. I really tried to be a, a positive force and make this company into a better place for everybody. The one story that will always stand out to me is the allegations that when uh, one of his uh, leads was uh, doing a little bit of sexual harassment in Toxic Workplace. He uh, They were going to be fired, but he stepped in and made that firing not happening. And not only that, but uh, later on threatened to kill somebody for being a whistleblower. It's like, this guy's a fucking menace to the gaming industry. I don't care how much money he's made Activision Blizzard. His business philosophy, as far as just like, producing games and and look and creating uh 
a game development ecosystem sounds nightmarish. And I well, hope that here's he the never thing. In 2020, he told investors he wanted to take the fun out of making video games. Well done. You you took it out of one of the most prolific fucking <laughs> publishers of all time because it's a crime what uh, Activision Blizzard is now compared to what it was. Yeah. You know, Tim Schaefer went and called him a dick. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, he called him a total prick. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And now he and Mark Zuckerberg of- have the same kind of eyes where, like, you look at them and they're just there's nothing in there. There's no soul. There's no compassion. There's no empathy. Just uh, just bottom line. By the way, the um, the background for that was that the way they mismanaged Beauty Legend at the time. I, I, you know, I still can't play Brutal Legend because it's actually an RTS, not a, not a. If they, if they, if, if Tim just made it, you know, an action adventure, you know, that would have been great. I want to know just, about why that RTS element was put in there because it's easily the most like unfitting well, part of that game. And here's like, the thing. Just, it, well, it was all Tim Schafer, but I think he got the message out wrong. I mean. Why, he should have marketed it more as an RTS than than as an action adventure. Yeah, I mean the the I guess the writing was on the wall because you spend most of the main story of the game gathering different kinds of units, but uh, it's still just like when you actually have to do the Battle of the Bands sections, it's so not fun compared to everything else you do in that game. Also, the game didn't really tell you what you can do. It's, uh, it's like it told you to go to Mount Armadong and, and do something. And I said, what? How? And the game never tells you how. Mm-hmm. I actually watched a playthrough of it recently, and it's it's a fun game to, like, it's a fun story to see play out. Like, I love those characters. I love their silly antics. I, uh... I uh, I forgot that the voice of Billy from Billy and Mandy is in there as, as a there's so many people in that game that like you could never get that cast back together again. That would be impossible. Not only because some of them are now dead, but like Lemmy Kilmeister from Motorhead, but also it's just like there are so many good people in there. Um there there isn't really much to talk about either where uh, aside from Bobby Kotick leaving, it's like that was the last news item for the year. Yeah, well, we're we're officially at sort of our game of the year uh, time. Like, do you want to talk about like what was your what was the best thing you played this year, Jonah? Oh, that's easy. And it was a year ago that I played, well, almost a year ago, and that's Hi-Fi Rush. Hi-Fi Rush is the uh, Dreamcast we never got. It was a Dreamcast yeah. game we never got. That was a surprise drop, I think. I mean, not many people. Yeah, the Shadow Drop. Yeah. Not many people knew it was coming. And I'm going to say this, you know, of all the games that came out this year, of all of them, Hi-Fi Rush was the most I felt like a video game. Yeah. And it was fun. Everybody else is trying to tell, you know, trying to do all these, you know, big, important stories like Baldur's Gate and, and Spider-Man and Starfield. Hi-Fi Rush just says, fuck you, this is a video game, we're here to have fun, damn it. And also yeah. listen to some kick-ass music. I mean, the I went from liking to loving Hi-Fi Rush when you first do the boss fight against Rekka. <laughs> yeah, because every one up. of those, like, every one of those boss battles is set to a pretty good license track, huh? Yeah, and also they have a, an, uh, they also have a non-licensed track, which is good, you know, because you never know when those music licenses will will expire and then you'll have something like an alpha protocol situation in which they can't do it because the music license to turn up the radio is no longer available for that damn game. There's a royalty free soundtrack to it too, right? That's what I said. There's a royalty free sub uh, soundtrack. Um, like, um, Oh, there, well, I guess my, I my next question. Would, I guess my next question would be, are, does the royalty free soundtrack hit as good as the license soundtrack? Yeah. So, um, let me give you an example. Um, Rekka's boss fight song is... Uh, damn, I forgot the name of it. It's Free Radicals. And... Uh, the, the uh, But it's done by the uh, band that's with the... Uh, it's not done by the Flaming Lips. It's actually done 
redone, but then they have the non-licensed, the uh, what's it called the the unlicensed version, which is cap, uh, Captive Mind. No, hmm. uh, no, Captive Normals. So every song has its uh, its royalty free version. That's good that they did that. That really is. You're right. Yeah. Like about the whole licensing, and you never know when that stuff goes away. It's it's good for them to be that forward thinking because we've seen it with other games where like the it didn't seem to. they become unavailable. I think that what was it? I think the Metal Gear games were delisted for a bit because there was some licensing issues in them. And they had to go back and relicense some of that stuff to be able to relist them again. Yeah, so they had they call it the streamers edition uh, version. Uh, you can click on streamer mode, which you can play the game on any streaming service and not have to worry about uh, hitting any uh, you know copyright thing. So that's the that's the other reason why they did it. So you can stream it without worrying. That's rad. Game game games music just kicks ass. And and like I said, Rekka's, uh, uh, Rekka's intro is so good because she's basically a wrestler, so she has a wrestling entrance. Nice. She bangs her fists together, and everything, so, everything, everything in, is in time with the with the music. You know, this, uh, that's one thing. In the past few years, have you noticed there's a lot of rhythm games that have been coming out? A lot of rhythm games exploring into other. Uh, into other genres, I, I guess we can thank uh, Dance of the Necroma- uh, Necro Dancer for that. Yeah, know? yeah, we got Cadence of Hyrule. That was a pretty good one. And but like then, you're right, we then we got a what was it? A Metal Hellsinger. Yeah. And then uh, which was like FPS with uh, with music in a rhythm game. Hi-Fi Rush, which is action with music in a rhythm game. Basically, uh, Bayonetta slash Devil May Cry. The one good yeah. thing about about it is that um, the game is a lot more forgiving if you're not in time with it. Basically, if you're in time with it, you get bonus bonus damage. Otherwise, it's just you don't get the bonus. There was a fighting game that was like a rhythm game that came out earlier this year too. Uh, something god like gods something gods. I'm gonna have to look that up because uh, uh, God of Rock. That uh, that was a rhythm game mixed with fighting game, and uh, that was pretty dope too. You know the way they had the way they made that game is that you could actually use your Guitar Hero or Rock Band uh, controllers to play the game because they do that. They they have the frets on the bottom, so you're able to do it. Nice. I mean, it, it got mixed reviews, but it was still a good idea. Um, so. You can't. None of you can copy an answer, so one of you is going to have to take Baldur's Gate three, and the other one's going to have to figure something else out. <laughs> um, you know, I rolled credits on uh, Tears of the Kingdom this last week. Okay. That ending, that fight, that's probably the best uh, Ganon fight that I've seen in the Zelda series, and I'm like not even. I, it floored me. It's it's a it's a multi part affair like like most of the time it is, but like the ultimate battle. First off, the the path to getting there is a trip. The 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 amount of payoffs that you get from the story on the way there is a trip. The actual fight with like human form Ganon is is kind of hard, and like I enjoyed being challenged in such a way. And then the ultimate 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 fight with him is like it just ties everything together that you've been dealing with for hundreds of hours of that game perfectly i I couldn't agree more it this is what a sequel should be like you know and this is i think the first zelda that has this really good story you know this really epic story and they did so much with it too with the, the depths and the skylands and all the physics and just so much, and you could spend hours on this game easily. Um, okay, so he took Tears of the Kingdom. What are you going with then? Uh, I'm going to go with Sea of Stars. Uh, okay. I, you know, I, I really enjoyed the story in the world there, you know, you and it and it does link to the messenger, and it, it, it expands the world and lore, and you got... You got all oh, this great soundtrack, really awesome soundtrack, really great visuals, the the lighting and the shadows that they have, and 
you get this mechanic of controlling the the sun and the night and day uh, cycle, and you can rotate the thing. And there's a, a meme where people are saying how the solstice voyage. Didn't you assume that your friend who got his eye torn out was going to be the big villain of the game? I worried that that was going to happen. They even had a, a scene where these uh, acolytes are talking about um, having like a traitor there and something. And you know, it's like you know what you know what to do. They're home, you know they're going to the forbidden cavern, and I was like, oh no, you know this this, this doesn't look good. And then it turns out the entire acolytes were pricks anyway. So. Yeah. <laughs> Um, like, like the timing mechanics in the game is good and the story was good and I enjoyed the just the adventure there and there's a lot of good twists plot twists and hey that. you know what at least you can be grateful that Aiden Chronicles 100 Heroes is delayed so oh yeah definitely so now, so now that can be my game of the year for next year and I don't have to worry about these two competing yeah but I mean like this year was full of great games you know and I don't want to Overlook, you know, like Octopath Traveler 2 was also really good. Well, I'm not going to overlook Starfield uh, because that was, you know, it's still an amazing game. And, you know, um, the Einan uh, Zur, who is the composer, you know, he did he composed stuff like for Fallout and Dragon Age. He was right in saying that a lot of people were playing it the wrong way because um, a lot of people were playing it like a linear Bethesda game. And what they should have done, what 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 Bethesda should have done with with uh, Starfield, was not have you start in civilization. What they should have done was have you wake up on some distant planet without you knowing anything about you know how to play the game except for you know how to you know the controller and all that. But you know just have you wake up in the middle of nowhere and try and find your way back to civilization. I think that would have been much, much more rewarding and then go through the, uh, the reborn uh, storyline because it's like, you have to go through and you see all these, uh, these generated planets and it's like, you have to explore them and deal with them. And then finally you get to civilization. That would have been a lot more of a, um, you know, of a story, you know, and one that doesn't stay with the Bethesda, style game um the other thing is that they're coming with a massive patch it's not an expansion in which they're going to make uh, survival harder because one thing you know in the game is that when you're on a planet that's hostile to you it's hostile but it's not like uh uh-oh i'm in big trouble I think they're going to make it so that you better be prepared if you're on a planet that has, you know, say, heavy radiation or if it's extremely hot and you don't have the proper equipment to deal with it. Yeah, like it's 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 actually a little bit wild that you don't hear too much about a uh, uh, Starfield in the end game of this year, only because like. Even if it did it get backlash. overshadowed by Baldur's Gate, a little no, bit. I, it was a backlash, and I, I was following what's it called the the social media on it. It was sort of like all these PlayStation fans were backing were backing Baldur's Gate three because they didn't have Starfield. It was all the way it was right, and they didn't think that Baldur's Gate three was coming to come to Xbox, like it was some sort of PlayStation exclusive. No, it would have came out the same day because, um, on, uh, except for the Xbox Series S. All of that aside, this the game still seems good enough that it should have like, you know that thing that sometimes you see games do where like once the hype dies down, the actual fans that have been playing them will will rise out of that and and talk about how good the game Microsoft is. Microsoft hasn't even released the Creators Club for for Starfield yet. That's that's one of the things. It's supposed to be. Six months since release, which I think would be around February. And then you're going to have tons and tons and tons of mods. Uh, they do have some mods now, but with the Creators Club is a real, is a way to... Uh, but I'm going to tell you something. You know, wandering around these planets, it's sort of like you, in the morning, if the conditions are right, you'll have fog because of temperature inversion. Everything happens in that game happens... Uh, organically because of conditions, you know, you, you're not going to have rain unless, you know, certain conditions are met. I mean, on Titan, it's almost always snowing because that's the way it is on Titan. And by the way, snowing methane, not, not, not water. 
Yeah, and I think I I hope ultimately like everyone that I've ever talked to that actually gave Starfield the time like more than a few hours has seemingly enjoyed it. It seems like a very good Bethesda game, and I guess on a long enough timeline, I hope it gets its due and people it start will. to really enjoy thing. it for what it is. Here's the thing. Uh, I, I think people forget that Skyrim was was thought of as an okay entry into the into the series, and now 10 years later, it's sort of like they're still making content for it. Um, and here's I thought Fallout 4 was meh when I first played it. Um Later on, I started to enjoy it a little bit more, a little bit more, and a little bit more. Fallout 4 is definitely the the example I was thinking of when I thought of that game that like people were like lukewarm on it at the time. But it's yeah, really because they thought enough. you had to make settlements. You don't have to make settlements, folks. You don't have to invest that much time in it. Yeah, but it really came into its own, and people like the people that love Fallout 4 really love Fallout 4. I mean, I've played plenty of Fallout 4. I like playing that game. I don't like building the settlements, like you say, but you, but also, like you say, there's so much other stuff to do, and there's so many good characters in that game, and there's so many good storylines to explore. Yeah, the Nick Valentine storyline is really good. And the and the Nick story, Nick Valentine story was so good that it was a part of Far Harbor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Far Harbor was really good uh, expansion pack for that game. I enjoyed it too. Um, I I always like Diamond City. Like that place is a really good concept for like a a broken world uh, settlement. Just they turn a baseball field into uh like a survival uh, settlement. I love yeah, that. Yeah, and you get to you get an achievement if you run the bases. Did you know that? If you run to home to first, if you run all the way from home to first to second to third back to home. You get an achievement. I had no idea, and that's you awesome. Get the home, you get the home run achievement. <laughs> and, like, the the mayor of the city gets to hang out up in the press box. <laughs> yeah. I, You know what I do is I break the game a little bit. It's not really breaking it because it understands what you do, but sometimes I just steal from, from everything from the office without him or his guard noticing because in order for you to get in trouble, you actually someone actually has to see you do it. So I just steal everything and not let him know that I got the stuff that he need that that he, what's it called that I needed without him knowing it. Yeah. And then it turns out he's a synth. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the thing with Starfield is uh, my advice, and I gave this advice before they officially gave this advice. Just after you do the opening mission, just pick a place to go and go. Just just wander off the main thing for a while and just explore planets. And just enjoy them and just, you know, immerse it, you know, exploring planets, you know, you, you can walk from one end of a planet and keep on going around until you hit yourself again. But that'll take days in in, in our time because they are big. Hmm. So I should write an article about that, how, you know, what Bethesda should have done was just plop you out somewhere on some planet someplace where you don't know where you are. And forgot what happened to you. And, yeah. Oh, here's the other thing. Um, when you play a lot, it gets all these weird because you get into all these weird alternate universes. One alternate universe has them all as children. <laughs> the constellation, they're all children. Yeah, there's some crazy alternate ones. There's one like they're all dead except for the yeah, big robot. Yeah, except for Vasco. Yeah, and that's actually kind of depressing. It's sort of like Vasco tells you, you know, you're the sole survivor here. It's like that is depressing. Another one is um, where Sam Coe's daughter is also a starborn, and she wants to kill you for letting her father die. Mm. That's really depressing. And then there's another one in which you actually meet yourself. Now, you do meet yourself when you be first become Starborn, but in this universe, you're still around, and then you meet yourself. And that's the one of the odd things, is that you're a sound protagonist for most of it, but actually you do have a voice, you just never speak, because your, your uh, doppelganger will talk to you. Anyways, a lot of spoilers for a game that's been released for a while. Um, let's talk about the one game they're all we're all looking forward to. I think you already hinted at it strongly there, uh... Yeah, Scott. I'm sorry, what? 
the game that you're look, most looking forward to in 2024. I'm guessing it's uh, yeah, Iudian Chronicles. Yeah, will be the one I'm looking forward to most. But there's a, a lot of good ones coming, like Visions of Mana and uh, Sacrifier and uh, yeah, it? and that's coming to people were shocked. Uh, Xbox owners were shocked that the, the Visions of Mana was coming to uh, Xbox. Yeah, I mean, Square Enix doesn't mind putting it on all platforms. They don't have an issue unless with that. It's named, unless it's named Final Fantasy 16. By the way, was that your number two game, uh, uh, TJ? What, are you doing Chronicles? No, no, 2023, uh, Final Fantasy 16. My number two game was Octopath Traveler 2, easily. That game oh, is okay. ridiculously good. If you want me to talk about that, I can talk about it for probably 30 minutes to an hour. But, uh... <laughs> I'll just stop by saying that, like, every character has their moment to shine, even the ones that I don't like that much. Every track in that game is a joy to listen to inside and outside. I've put that I've put that game on and, like, gone to an area that I like and just put that music on in the background while I've cooked dinner. And every single boss has its own mechanics, you know. You just when you get used to stuff, they suddenly introduce like this new thing that you didn't know the game was gonna throw at you. Yeah, like locking up their some of their uh, weaknesses, and then you have to work your way around the mm-hmm. other ones. Um, but every single time that it gets the, to the lead into a boss fight, and you know it's coming because your character's like song starts to play, and it starts to pick up, and then that's I crank the volume on that every time. <laughs> that boss music in Octopath Traveler 2 is probably the best boss music I've heard in a JRPG or or really any game like that in a long time. And they did improve they did improve with uh character interactions when you go in the tavern you can have scenes with like three or four of the characters so that's pretty cool too. Yeah. Really good game. Like really good understanding of what makes a JRPG work and then like just exemplary character design and stories on top of that and, and music for that is just like some of, we voted it for it for the best soundtrack of the year on Shack News and it was like one handily. So what are you looking forward to in 2024? Are you looking forward to Tekken 8? I'm certainly looking forward to Tekken 8. That's probably going to be like my main squeeze for the first season of the year up until uh, some other stuff starts hitting. I'm uh, I'm also keeping my eye on Alone in the Dark because I really I want there to be a good Alone in the Dark game. That series deserves better than one? what it. Yes, I've played the very first one, and I think like as much as that series has a legacy in the in the survival horror industry, it has been a long time since there was an Alone in the Dark game that wasn't crap. Okay. And I really hope that the new one like hits the beats. Uh, Dragon's Dogma 2. I'm so excited to be in on the ground floor of a Dragon's Dogma game because I, I completely missed the, the boat on the first one. It's uh it's really exciting to see that game coming and like nobody th- like who thought that was going to happen. I it's one of those things from Capcom, like that it has a fervent, a fervent following, but like you don't hear much out of it outside of those few people that just love the heck out of it. That comes coming out with something called Blue Protocol. It's like, uh, it's like, I wish it was like a sequel to Alpha Protocol, but Alpha Protocol was Sega. It's based on I, an anime, I think. I had no idea that Braid was getting a remastered anniversary edition. I think so. Yeah. Did you know that? Which one? Braid, Braid was getting Braid, an anniversary. Right, yes. That was that came that was revealed at the the Game Awards, wasn't it? Yeah. And the thing is that uh, Braid, I think, was the was the one game that really opened up the the uh, the door for Xbox Live Arcade and indie and indie console gaming. I mean, you had other games that came out, you know, but Braid was the big game that just knocked it out of the park. I think. I think it and Limbo did it. Huh. Yeah, like, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. I never actually have played the first Braid. I bet Scott wants to play Tales of Symphonia Remastered. I already have that on Steam. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I keep hearing them remastering it, but it's like, I already have it on Steam. I'm not buying it a second time. 
Yeah, but this time it's still. Oh. Uh, let's see. What else, uh, like there was Azure, um, Trails of Azure came out well, this year on PC. You know what's going on on the Switch, right? In February, uh, Mario versus Donkey Kong. Oh, I thought you were going to say the Unicorn Overlord. Looking forward to that. No. <laughs> yeah, Vanillaware's new game, which Vanillaware is strangely good at what they do, and it's like <laughs> it's never the same. It's never exactly the same thing. They, they, their RPGs and their games in general are just weirdly, wildly different from one another. But they all have like the same very, very, very good art behind them, and that kind of care. <laughs> to a certain degree, I think that care that carries a lot of uh, what they do because they're just so good at the art they, the art style they do for their games. Do you play the Grand Blue Fan- uh, Grand Blue Fantasy games, Scott? It- I was going to say, are you talking about Relink? Because that game looks fun, too. I'm saying, yeah, that's what's coming out. In yeah, November. I hear that one's going to be an RPG, not a fighting game. So I've had a chance to preview that game twice. And what it is, is it's an action RPG kind of in the style of Dungeon Fighter Online. You uh, you take quests and you go to, like, biomes and you uh basically fight your way through them until you get to a boss character or uh or or another part of the quest that you have to do and uh when you finish you uh basically go back to a hub world and uh level up your weapons level up your gear uh pick it pick your party it's a co-op game or you can play it like you basically have a party of four and when you're playing as the main character ai controls the other three but you can also have other players come in and pick up the other any of the other three uh, party members. And to me, it's like it's like Diablo meets meets anime. And I think that that could be worth keeping an eye on because when I've played it, it's really fun. Like the characters all have very different niches to each other. We're like. One of them can be like a complete defensive tank where that casts barriers and, and looks after the other uh, characters. Whereas one is like a glass cannon spellcaster that uh, if you don't protect her, she, while she's getting her biggest spells ready, she, uh, she, she'll be in real trouble. But if she gets off her best spells, she can do thousands of points of damage. And uh, I think it's going to be really cool to see how people like take the characters and figure out the meta and, and, uh, and figure out how to like beat the end game stuff because it's going to be one of those games where like there's going to be a lot of post story content like super bosses, big big uh big enemies at the end of the game, new quests. Um it's going to be fun to see. I I hope it does well. I feel that Homeworld 3. I feel like uh the most interesting thing I think the story is cool, but the most interesting thing about Homeworld World 3 to me is that they added a roguelike mode that you can play co-op with other people. Oh, I didn't even know that. So it's this mode where uh, you you and two other players, like a, a, a party of three, each get a carrier like the uh, the main ship in the game. Um, and you uh, you take on a randomized set of scenarios which could be like chase down uh chase down a transport frigate uh or save civilians from uh incoming pirates or just fight a bristling set of uh ships and every time you finish up a scenario you get an upgrade for your carrier and, and your teammates get upgrades for their carriers that you can like spe- it's like options in a in a roguelike game where you can power up your interceptors, you can power up cruisers, you can power up different uh, other types of ships and like specialize. And uh, the further you go, the better the better equipment you get, the better uh, upgrades you get. And if you finish, you like level up and can unlock different different variations of fleets to take into the mode. It's oh. uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Now the one game that I'm looking forward to because it's it's intriguing is Our History Untold, which is going to be the next uh, 4x Civ type game, and it's going to be it's not going to be a strange mix between turn based you know turn based exploration and conquering, but the combat it's going to go down. It's like in in Civilization, all you have to do is two two unit ha- uh, squares 
just whack at each other for a while. Well, our history and told you're going to actually get to see the battle. Did you see it, Scott? Did you see the uh, trailer for Our History Untold? No, I haven't seen that, but I think that reminds me of, uh, I thought it was Civ Cult Power or something that had where it would Cult zoom in to an actual battle, which is I, I've Power. always wanted to see. Okay. Uh, there's a bunch of sequels actually coming out. Uh, who knew that we're going to have a new Earth Defense Force? I think there's also um, Eastward is having a DLC where it's like a farming sim. And it, mm-hmm. it, it comes off like a, an expansion pack because you, you have this new farming area and I guess it's an alternate reality where all everyone else with you, all your friends that you saw in the, the main game are with you at this farming community and you're just building and crafting. It's kind of like a Stardew Valley, I guess. Looks pretty interesting. Frostbunk 2 is finally going to be released in 2024. Hopefully, maybe. <laughs> The one sequel I did not know was coming was Greedfall 2. Hmm. Did you did you play the first Greedfall? No, but I remember seeing a lot of it. Like that's it's a basic, more... It's basically a, a science fiction medieval Mass Effect. I was gonna say that's the one where like the pilgrims land on the fantasy island, right? It's it's future space colonialism, yeah. But this time the natives can fight back because they have magic and you don't. Yep. But Greedfall 2 is coming next year, uh, so which is on my uh, thing. A lot of people are looking forward to Little Nightmares 3. Wowie zowie, Greedfall came out in 2019. It doesn't feel like it's been that long since that game are launched already. It's five bucks. You can buy for five bucks now. <laughs> uh, but Little Nightmares 3 is a game that everybody's looking forward to as well. Yeah, Little Nightmares is one of those things that, like I don't think it I don't feel like it ever does amazing numbers, but that but it like it does what it does well enough to stick around. You know it's coming back in twenty twenty four? What's that? Multiversus is coming back in twenty twenty four. So they say. <laughs> WB is going through a time. <laughs> um Octopath Travel two is finally gonna come on Xbox next year too. Um and uh, the Seven Max, the Devil's Playhouse is getting remastered. So let me ask you a question: How much are you looking for? Uh, you know, they showed a new trailer for Senua's Saga: Hellbay 2, right? Yes. And this time they actually showed a lot. Uh, actually showed the combat. Yeah, and I mean, like that game. That game feels like it's going to be the pinnacle of what we we uh, think of as games as an art when it comes out. Just for. How much goes into the design, how much goes into the sound design, how much goes into the graphics, the details, the story. That game, I, I feel like it's a little over, I, I, not, I won't say overhyped. I feel like it's very hyped, and I hope that it can uh, live up to the expectations that people have had for it, because it it really does look like it could be something amazing. Speaking of hype, remember, <laughs> Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2 is supposed to come out next year as well and they finally found a developer who's actually can stick with it so it's gonna be interesting to see how much how much uh, was uh retained from the original story and because i like i liked what i saw that was going to be a part of the original story it, you know but uh hopefully they these guys do a lot better than the other guys were doing was it night dive who was originally working or are they working on it now i know night dive is involved the, here somewhere the chinese room Oh, the Chinese room, yeah. So the Chinese room we best know for um, one of the, uh, well, for one, the first walking simulator, uh, Dear Esther. But then they also did uh, the third, um, damn it, the third amnesia game. What was it? It wasn't a a mission. It wasn't a a machine for pigs. It was the other, the one that came after it. You remember the the one that they came after uh, machine for pigs? Oh, rebirth. They didn't do rebirth. They did. They did Machine for Pigs. Oh, okay. Machine for Pigs is actually the scariest of the Amnesia uh, games. Um, Rebirth went back to the main uh, the main yeah. developer, Frictional Games. Uh, the other game that I'm really looking forward to is Star Wars Outlaws, uh, because I saw we saw all saw the extended uh, gameplay, and what it's doing I I like. You know, it's doing all the base. It's doing just basic stuff, but it's doing all the basic stuff well. And if they Managed to, you know, put it together. It should be really fun. Yeah, I like yeah. that game. 
I I didn't get to play uh, Jedi Survivor for this year, but uh, I definitely enjoy Star Wars games. So looking forward Jedi to that. Jedi Survivor next though is is more of a is more of a Dark Souls game than than it is a uh, or actually no um the 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 um the, the games with Kyle Kestis are more like Tenchu games. Yeah, and I mean, but like. The strangest thing about Star Wars Outlaws is that it's coming out of Ubisoft, which has been on a losing streak lately. But that game looks bizarrely good. I, uh, I'm always shocked when I see that game and realize that, <laughs> that Ubisoft is making it because like, I guess Ubisoft is still capable of good things, but you don't see it too often these days. Am I the only one who has faith in Kill the Justice League? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I have no interest in that. You know who's the developer is, right? It's Avalanche, isn't it? No, it's Rocksteady. Rocksteady. And they haven't, uh, gameplay-wise, they haven't really failed, you know? I mean, I don't like it when they go open world, but the combat has always been solid for, for the uh, Batman Arkham games done by Rocksteady. I've shared my opinion before that, like, as King Shark, I don't want to shoot people. I want to tear them in half and eat them. But Maybe I still, that could be when you get close to them. Maybe that'll be like, you know, in Gears of War, but instead of pulling out your chainsaw, instead of pulling out the chainsaw, you pull out your teeth. I just hope it's not as gun heavy as it looks every time I see it, because it looks real gun heavy. Like I and said, that, I, I'm looking forward to it. It's rock steady. I, I have faith in them. And that's fair. Like, Rocksteady has no reason. To, uh, there's little reason to not have faith in Rocksteady, except for, like, I have faith in Rocksteady. I have no faith in WB's corporate er, executives not meddling and making things stupid. <laughs> well, WB meddled in Shadow of War, and it still was great. I mean, even the, the thing is, Monolith knew how to please them by making the uh, microtransactions almost not a non-issue. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how Rocksteady to, does it. When it comes to anything WB, I'm like, I I want to believe because I like a lot of those universes, but I don't believe in David Zaslav. <laughs> we'll see if Avowed comes out in 2024, which is basically going to be Space the Outer Limits. I mean, Fantasy the Outer Limits. What else is coming next outer, year? Outer, uh, the Outer... Damn it! The outer, the outer planet. Outer worlds. The outer worlds, yeah. And I should have known outer that worlds. because the um because I always confuse it with the outer wild. <laughs> yeah, outer worlds too could be fun. Yeah. Um. Well, I, know I mean, you were, uh, I know you weren't crazy about the first one, but uh, I think that I think that Obsidian did a pretty good job with that. It was just too generic, and. I just, it was like, I don't know. It was sort of like them going through the motions to me with the outer, the outer world. Mm-hmm. That's just me. I mean, the outer world too could be much better. See, um, one game that I know a lot of people are excited about because it has such a niche. It has such a niche appeal, and people love it. It's like made for one kind of gamer, and uh, Frostpunk Two is finally going to come out in 2024. Yeah, Frostpunk is uh, is something that I've wanted to explore to dip my toes in and just haven't because I've it's never had depressing. time. It's freaking depressing. It's it's a city builder, isn't it? Yeah, it's a city builder survivor. Um, so usually your game it's it's almost a roguelike because you know what your your people are probably going to die and they're going to die after you tell them you know what we're going to switch to cannibalism to try and survive. <laughs> so. Oh boy, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is coming in February 29th, and that game is going to disappoint. I don't know. Like, it actually looks like it could be pretty great based on the open world stuff they've been showing. I think the bigger, I think the bigger Final Fantasy release will be 14 on the Xbox. You think so? I don't know. There's a I, lot. Uh, of, I, you know what? It is. Um, here's the thing. I know that. It's there's a lot of there's a lot of agita with Xbox players because they want an MMO and they want an MMO that's more like Final Fantasy 14 and less like Fallout 76. Although I will say, um, Microsoft released their uh, roadmap for Fallout 76 uh, today, 
and they are really going it all in on Fallout 76. I mean, we keep on talking about how sad it is when it get when games like the crew, whatever live service games it is, turns off the lights and now you can't play it anymore. Microsoft is making sure that it doesn't happen to fans of Fallout 76. Mm-hmm. And it is gaining fans because it keeps getting better and better and better. Ever since the Wastelanders expansion, uh, people have been really getting into it. Yeah. And I mean, like, that world seems like it has a really fun design to it. The monsters look like they're really silly and, and crazy. I like the uh, giant uh, sloth. Basically, it's turned into Fallout 4 online. That's basically what it is. We also have uh, the Mothman. Yeah. So we know the game that, you know, that I, I, I'm willing to bet this is the game you're most nervous about, that you really want to be good. I think you know which one game I'm talking about. Killing Floor 3. No. The Wolf Among Us 2. I would like that game to be good. I, uh, I It's hard for me to have any feelings about it because it feels like the studio has been through the ringer. But uh, I have I want to believe that uh, they can that they can put together a good another good narrative with that uh, series and those characters. But I'm serious. Killing Floor 3 is very high on my radar, and I didn't realize that it's set for a tentative 2024. But if that game sticks to the landing, I'll be playing that one for years. Then we have a game that was announced 13 years ago, which is finally coming out this year. You all know, and it had one of the best tra- uh, trailers ever, and that's Mugenics. I, you've talked about that game a lot. I remember it's, uh, it's it's the Sims meets Pokemon meets Animal Crossing and Tamagotchi in which you um, genetically create different kinds of cats and then they fight. <laughs> that seems really silly. <laughs> Just check out the original trailer from 2012 for Mugenics. That that the song is so catchy. I'm I'm finally glad it's finally coming out. See, Edward McMillan, Ed Bun McMillan, um he uh he's an interesting person. Um he's he suffers from clinical depression and a lot of his games are his way of of dealing with it. So um he started out in eugenics and then he had to put it off because apparently uh the binding of Isaac didn't have enough uh, expansions. Yeah. And like I've heard you talk about this game several times because it's been in development forever. Like you said, the one of the trailers came out in 2012. The first trailer came out in 2012. The thing is that you know um, he just put it off because he starts working on something else. But it's it's just so good. It's it's, it's I want it to be so good. It's gonna be uh, like I said. It's how can you not like a game about breeding cats and then having them in turn-based strategy? No kidding. I really hope the. Uh, they're they're we're expecting the uh the console version of uh city skylines 2 in uh, 2024 as well and i hope yeah they stick i know the that, that was a that was a bummer for a lot of people that it, they delayed it i hope they stick the landing because i would love to be able to play that on ps5 well right now the pc version has definitely stuck the landing for me i mean i i never had some of the uh i never had the technical problems that a lot of people did and i think you, you you've, you've been playing it too the systems are so deep in the game Mm-hmm. I have the, I I I don't think I've scratched the surface, even though I've got gone to access, gained access to all these services. It's sort of like you have to deal with so many things in that game. Yeah, it guides you into a lot of that stuff pretty good, though. Like I yeah. I I feel like I don't know if it's because I'm coming from being a, a City Skyline One player, but I felt like I picked up everything as it showed it to me in a reasonable and fun manner where like, it never felt like it was overwhelming. It never felt like there was something that it didn't tell me until it was too late. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's been fun exploring that game. Smiling is still smiling. It also took away some of the pains of city skylines and that is electricity and water. Now it's just underneath the streets. If there's a street, it's connected. Yeah. That's uh, the terraforming. That That's a big deal here. Like, I haven't done the able, terraforming yet. Being able to fiddle with uh, create hills and fiddle with that and make uh, tunnels like through through those hills and build underground stuff. That's neat. I love that. 
for me, the big thing is is making a mass transit system. Even though I've only gotten as far as having to create one line, one bus Ooh. line. I should terraform the heck out of an area and build a city in between like a circle of hills and make it like the mole people kingdom. Yeah, they still haven't come out with the uh, with the editor yet um, in which you you can, you know, if you you can edit the starting area. They haven't they haven't released that yet. I think that's going to be the next big release because they give you like 12 areas and I'm fine with them. But I want to create an area that that's more suited to me. Yeah. And that game is just going to get better over time because, like, you know, they they incorporated so many mods into it already. But like, once with the mod create with the mod community and the mod workshop that they have, it's just going to grow into something amazing between what the developers put together and what the community itself puts together. There's a reason why they decided to have their own mod hosting rather than, you know, Nexus mods and stuff like that, because they wanted to curate mods because they knew it was going to be big in the mod scene. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, they haven't scratched the surface on that game yet. And I'm it's and on more, Game Pass, and I might actually now purchase it. And the more they put together, like, this mod scene, this mod community, like, I was a little audited out of it at first, but, like, uh oh! You 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 won't be able to do like script stuff, but they will be able to uh, enjoy a lot of the cool stuff that's happening. Anyways, uh, so yeah, City Skylines is good. <laughs> that's a 2023 sure game. We have to talk about 2024. Damn it! <laughs> well, that's what we were talking about is because it's coming to PC and, or to consoles. Yeah. Uh, what else is there coming out? Oh yeah, uh, Space Marine Three is coming out, or is it Space Marine Two? Space Marine 2. I can't remember. Yeah, Space Marine 2. It's coming out late next year. Um, the original Space Marine, just so you know. Because <laughs> uh, uh, um, Games Workshop came up with the concept of Space Marine before before uh, anybody else did. Oh, shit. I forgot that they were making a remake of the original Clock Tower for 2024 as well. Yep. Way Forward and uh, I think Dot Emu are, are teaming up on that. Way Forward, the, who also did uh, the Silent Shantae. Hill Memories and the Shantae games, but also Silent Hill Memories. <laughs> Clock Tower is something altogether wacky different from most of the survival horror that people know about. It's you have no you have no way of fighting back against the monster. You your best options are to run and hide. And sometimes if you hide in the place too much uh, in a place too much, it will recognize that and and uh, kill you in that hiding place. <laughs> it's it's terrifying. That game is intense. I uh, I can't wait to see it with like new graphics and hopefully a better UI. You know, actually, that reminds me uh, Star Wars Dark Forces Remaster is coming out and it's being done by Night Dive. And I played it when it first came out. And now you youngins get to play it. I've played the Dark Forces a little bit, but only like the first. I've only where played up to the. the where are you getting the Death Star plans? Yeah. No, no, it let you play up to the part where you go into the sewer and find that informant guy. Okay. Um. But the entire but, first part of that game is is you getting the Death Star plans. Yeah. And uh, what a what a wildly good game and. Yes. What a straight! I had no this idea. This was back when this was back when LucasArts was really hitting their stride as a game maker. Also, like I had no idea that that game leads into the Jedi, the yeah. the Star Wars well, Jedi the, games. The sequel is Jedi Knight: Dark Forces Two. Yeah. Then, then the other, it's like Rambo. You know, it was a uh, it was Rambo: First Blood Part Two, but then it just became Rambo Three. We're also getting another Saga game. Uh, have you seen that one, Scott? Yes, the Saga Emerald. Mm-hmm. And you've got like eight, di- or is it four, eight different or four different characters. I forget Usually how many there are. With uh, Saga. You, you, you're picking out the different characters and it's all fully 3D and I guess voiced and looks really interesting. I love yeah. those games. I, I really do. They, uh, I mean, it's safe to say that Octopath Traveler wouldn't exist without Saga. Yeah, you've been so, you've been wanting a saga game. I remember that when Octopath f- first came out, you were like, "Call it Saga," and now and now here's your saga game. 
Yep. I hope I feel, it's good. I feel, I feel sad for Scott because there's no new uh, Legend of Heroes games coming out. They're just bringing out new Ooh, Trails no, no, of the Cold no, Steel. Trail. Trails, Trails of Cold to, Steel 3 and 4 to PlayStation, but those are those are remakes. They're not... Those Trails of Dawnbreak is coming. That came out last this past year. The, we, the, 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 the official translation for English is coming out. Oh, okay. <laughs> isn't that... Isn't that uh, that's on the Switch, isn't it? I think it'll be on Switch and Xbox, no, just PlayStation, Switch. and PC. No, just Switch. No, just Switch. Trails through Daybreak. What are you talking about? I'm, yeah, Daybreak is coming out on all platforms. Really? Yes. Yes. Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, and, and PC. No, I only see... Well, it's coming out first on Switch, then. Well, I'll be it getting it on like, PC. Uh, and also, uh, Wise 10... That looks good. I'll definitely get that. I, think that, I don't think that's coming it, out on PC. Is it Wise or is it Ease? Ease. I think it's Ease. Yeah, sorry, Ease. Yeah, I was right. The um, the the uh, version on Nintendo Switch is coming out um first, and then it's being released uh, later on PlayStation Four, Five, and uh, that's it. It's not coming out on Xbox. What are you talking about? All platforms. I thought it was all platforms. Oh, okay. No, it's just PlayStation uh, 4, 5, Windows, and Switch. Okay. You know what's going to happen, don't you know? Um, like a year from now, you're going to have every single Legend of Heroes Trails game on, on Game Pass. <laughs> like <laughs> like they did with uh, Yakuza. <laughs> That's fine. I'm not playing on Xbox anyways. We also on. have uh, Metaphor Refantasio coming from uh, Atlas. Yeah. Which... Uh, Looks like a very, very different take on a, on sort of the Shin Megami series. But it's very similar in a lot of ways, too. So still looks still looks like you do the the thing where you uh, gather demons and such. One of the games that we're not really we haven't really talked about, partly because it's a it's a turn based game. But have you heard of Solium Infernum? I have not. It's a grand strategy game. That takes place in hell. <laughs> it's, a, it's a grand strategy game, which means you have politics and, and, and stuff like that. So basically, you're dealing with the politics of hell. <laughs> huh. If you like games like Universal, sorry, Europa Universalis, but wanted to be set in hell, there you go. <laughs> there, was yeah, a, there was a Lucas... There was a LucasArts game that did that too, wasn't there? So, like, you can play. It's you can play. Uh, I'm going to go straight from the uh, from the press release because I, I had to pull it up. Play a game of politics, master powerful. Oh God damn it! Play a game of politics, master powerful sorceries, or become a wrathful warmonger. Use events, rituals, diplomacy, and schemes wisely as you make as you make your choices and specialize your gameplay with power to unlock dark powers. It actually it was actually a game that was that was from 2009. They just remade it. I swear there was a there was also a LucasArts game that also dealt with you managing heaven and hell and uh, I can't remember. What Are you talking about was. black and white? No, it's not black and white. Um, I think it's just called Afterlife. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yes. But there was also a game in which you played a cherub and you can control people. <laughs> I forgot the name of that game. Um, that was that's uh, that's oh my god, our our that came out way back when. Actraiser, the first Actraiser, you play as a little angel that uh it, it, in the sim elements to uh guide the mortals. Yeah, like make the do things that'll eventually lead to their violent death. Good going, little cherub. <laughs> anyway. Oh my god, Afterlife's characters were so ugly. <laughs> you know what year that came out in, right? It was way ahead of its time. Oh, I loved Af- Afterlife. We get to design heaven and hell. All the posts. no, no, no. Yeah. We're talking about a different yeah uh, Afterlife, but we're talking about a different game now. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, but yeah, I remember Afterlife. It actually, the reason why I confused it with black and white because it had the same, uh, the same, the same kind of box in which one side was was white and the other side was black, if I remember correctly. I remember that game too. Yeah. 
Anyways, you know, for for a short podcast, we've gone well over an hour okay. without even talking about any game news. <laughs> so <laughs> look for our show notes at gamingpodcast.net, along with the industry news and our gaming history articles. We enjoy your access comments on our blog at gamingpodcast.net. Also, to us up at facebook.com slash gamingpodcast. Subscribe to the iTunes, leave us in iTunes comments. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jonah Falcon. You can find me at Jerry Chokes. You can find me at Chart of More. And like I said, you will see us next year in 2024. We're going to be taking the next week off. Happy holidays, everybody. Happy gaming, everyone. Have fun. Be cool. Play games, y'all. And I know that uh, TJ is going to do some co-op game with his wife. Aren't you? Yep. Probably. Which, which one? Baldur's. Oh, okay. I thought you might do... Um, what was the name of that game? Uh, it takes two. No, not it takes two. I know that's the that's one of the games. But no, those are the other one in which you were two two uh, people who broke out of prison. Do you remember that one? That oh, was, a way uh, out. A way out. A way yeah. out. Yeah. I thought I thought maybe you you both would be playing a way out. <laughs> nah, I think there are more positive co-op with, uh, games out there. <laughs> what? What yeah. did you say, Scott? There are more positive uh, co-op games out there. Yeah, because at the end of a way out, spoiler, you have to fight your the, the player you are playing with, and one of you is going to win and you, the other one's going to lose. Bad. <laughs> at least in a way out, you're playing a husband and wife already. <laughs> Anyways, see you next year. Take care. Take care. Good night. <laughs>